to Architecting. I'm your host, Angela Mazzi. You made it. This is the landing pad for raw honesty about connecting your career with your purpose. I'm going to give you the tools you need to be an unapologetic advocate for yourself and others, because if you're here, you believe that the space we surround ourselves in matters and you're committed to project by project building a better world for all of us. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Hey, Bright Lights, it's Angela. Thank you so much for being here with me today. This is going to be a really cool episode. As you know, I take your questions from time to time and explore them on the show. So if there's anything you are really burning to ask me about, make sure that you send me an email, Angela at architectingpodcast.com, or you can DM me on Instagram at architectingpodcast or message me on LinkedIn. Today's question is around a topic that has been coming up a lot lately, and whenever I notice the pattern of things coming up a lot, I know that it's something that we all are being asked to pay attention to. The question comes from Reggie. Reggie says, I've been working for a couple of years at the same firm since I graduated, but I feel invisible. I'm not sure what my career path should look like. Most of the women that work at my firm work part-time, and I don't want to be passed up for opportunities or promotions because my boss assumes that like my female coworkers, I'm going to cut back my schedule as well eventually, and I can't work part-time and be in a leadership position. Can you help with this? Reggie, I am so glad that you asked this question. This comes up so often because women don't really have modeled to them a way to take a stand for the and. Instead, we're presented with a lot of false choices that we have to reckon with. One of them is the idea that being a good wife, mother, daughter, sister, etc. means you cannot have a full throttle career, that if you choose your career, you are somehow not serving the other people and relationships in your life. Another is that if you assert yourself, if you want to make the bold career moves, if you imagine yourself being a firm owner, even if today is your first day on the job, that somehow that's too audacious, that it's too aggressive. There's this sense of how dare she. There can be this feeling that you need to be nurturing and likable. And if that isn't your personality, and if you want more, you're aggressive, you need to kind of keep that under wraps, or you're going to be labeled a bitch, or be seen as not a team player in some way. Timing of this question is impeccable because just two weeks ago was the AIA's National Women's Leadership Summit. This came out of my colleague Rosa Shang's work with a group of women in San Francisco that was originally called The Missing 32%. And if you go back to my old blog, The Patron Saint of Architecture, you can read an interview that I did way back with Rosa 
But at that time, they were wondering why women were leaving the profession. Um, those that stayed were not in leadership roles. And this eventually became the focus of a whole research study that got the attention of the American Institute of Architects at the national level. They brought this movement within the AIA, did even more research. They discovered pinch points in women's careers that were not paralleled in the same way in men's careers. So a lot of things were happening at life stages that just impacted women more. For example, getting married and having children was happening right about the point that a woman might be ready to take licensing exams, but she would end up postponing them in a way that men wouldn't. Or right about the time that a woman would be ready for the bigger leadership promotions at her firm, she would have school-aged children that she had to ferry to a whole bunch of activities and be dealing with elderly parents. So she might be choosing to work part-time. Eventually, the pressures to handle a personal life might even cause a lot of these women to leave the profession, pursue an alternate career, or just no career at all. Women who try to re-enter the profession after taking time out find that they have missed out on the latest updates in critical software like Revit or AutoCAD or rendering platform, and that then they're being judged because they don't have the right skill sets. There are a lot of things that were happening that were disproportionately impacting women because of these false choices, because of this belief that women had to be running a personal life and giving that priority. But there was also a lack of recognition for the way that women work and women lead. And over time, this grew into a biannual summit for women in architecture. And then last year, it was determined that this needs to really be focusing on women in leadership positions and that it needs to be an annual event. And this event is sold out every year. Many of my friends spoke at this conference this year. One of my colleagues from AIA Cincinnati, who chairs our Women in Architecture Committee, had a chance to go. I could not go because it overlapped with the Aspire Conference, which I was speaking at, which is yet another issue, right? How do we land these important conferences so that they don't force people to choose, do I go to this or that? How do we give them more flexibility to be able to attend both? Sarah was able to report that the conference could accommodate 900, and yet there were still 200 on the waiting list, and even more who weren't able to even get on the waiting list. It sold out within days. There is a hunger for this. There is a need for this. There is a need to see people who look like you doing things you want to do. 
because they can start to wash away these false choices. They can show you that you don't have to compromise your purpose, your calling, in order to be a good human or have a well-rounded life. We feel that when our career trajectory is weighed down by the expectation to overserve and to people please, we end up holding ourselves back. So it is a double whammy that there is this unconscious social bias about what women in the workplace can and should be doing. But there's also this self-sabotage because we buy into that too, where we let guilt hold us back. We choose to work part-time when maybe there were other options. We don't ask for the opportunities we want because we think that if we deserved them, we would be talking about them. We don't seek out women mentors because we don't know that we have that choice. So it's so great to see these things starting to get more traction and more attention. When I was at A23 back in June, there was a three-hour workshop that was put on by the Women in Architecture group, and it was a really great event. There were over 300 people in the room. Again, it was a sold-out session at the conference, and there were representatives from the Women in Architecture chapters all over the country that are part of their AIA components. And they led us through this exercise where we looked at women's issues across four different categories. Design and leadership, professional practice and development, workplace culture, and advocacy and activism. We were at probably 25 different tables all around the room. Each table had a women in architecture leader, and we took time to work these topics. And the goal of that was to collect over a hundred different recommendations across the four categories. What we realize more and more when we look at why are women dropping out? Why are they not getting registered? Why are they not going on to take leadership positions? Is simply that they don't see that path. We reach for the highest branch we can see. So if the women that we see in the workplace put their personal life in front of their career, we don't see that there's a choice there. And I don't want to make anyone wrong if that is the choice that's right for you. I also want to acknowledge that there are seasons. Someone may be in a season where for them, because of their personal circumstances, it is the right choice to put their personal life first. So don't think that I am making that wrong. The point I'm making is that that is what we see modeled dominantly, when in fact, that is only one choice that you can make. There are lots of other things along the spectrum, and we need to see those modeled as well. When we can acknowledge that there is a spectrum, 
that there's no right or wrong choice, that guilt doesn't play into this, that it really is about deciding what's right for you. Then we can start to say, how do we take that stand for the and so that there is not this polarity between being a good person and having an amazing career? that you don't have to compromise your personal life. We can not only see that there are resources available to us, but we can also see that we can redefine the work process and the structure of the workday. That the way it is doesn't have to be the only way it can be and work well. And when we have these conversations, we realize that It also doesn't have to be about privilege. Clearly, if I am a wealthy woman and I want my career to come first, I can afford to hire assistants and nannies and I can start my own firm and people in my network can refer me. And a lot of the women architects that we saw succeed in the last 50 to 60 years, unfortunately did fall into that category. So they had resources available to them that showed that yes, you can have work-life balance and yes, you don't have to compromise your career, but it came from a place of privilege. Or we would see the woman leader who went all in on her career and had a tremendous amount of success, but who essentially had no life. All she did was work, which is terribly alienating to the average woman in her late 20s, early 30s, who absolutely wants to get married and have children, who absolutely values having a well-rounded life. And as you know, stressless success is my thing. I not only teach it and offer numerous workshops, but I talk about it a lot on this podcast. True innovation, true creativity comes when we can discover the adjacent possible, which we can only do when we are living a rich and full life. It comes when we are not stressed out, overwhelmed, and burned out, which can only happen when work doesn't utterly dominate our life. So how do we do it? How does someone who can't afford a nanny manage to work and have young children? How does somebody who can't afford someone to pick up their kids from extracurricular activities do it? In the old system, you really can't, which is why we need to change the system. And that's what I really appreciate about the movement that is afoot today. We're starting to ask better questions because we're not saying it's either or. You either give up your life for your career or you give up your career for your life. Instead, What if your career could be a little bit more flexible? And we've certainly seen that become more and more dominant in the workplace. We've seen remote work be appreciated. Laptops allow us to work from anywhere and everywhere. 
we've seen that the work day doesn't only have to be a prescribed set of hours that we can work at different time points in the day. All of that definitely helps for women to stay in the workplace, but it doesn't deal with the fact that they're still not supported to be in leadership roles. So what is missing there? A lot of this really does come down to networking. It's really easy to buy into the narrative of this is the way it is. It's the only way that can work when you have nothing to compare it to. When you build a network, your world opens up and you start to have a bigger frame of reference. That's part of what makes the Women's Leadership Summit so powerful is that you can see women who don't come from some kind of privileged place yet are still firm partners, industry leaders, change makers, subject matter experts. And you see how they are redefining what success looks like. I put this in my monthly president's letter that goes out to our AIA Cincinnati chapter because I think this is such an important conversation to have. How it can be done, how it can be modeled, that we take that back to our firms. People are watching all of us. We're all looking to one another. And even when you don't think you are standing out as an example, People are still looking at you. They're still looking at how you did it, why you did it, what happened as a result. I mentioned that I didn't go to this conference because I was speaking at the Aspire conference, but even there, I was very much tuned in to the way that women were showing up. And I was reminded how much people really do see us even when we don't think they are. Yara, who is a person I mentor through the AIA's Align program, which is a mentoring program that pairs fellows with people in the Young Architects group, reached out to me a couple of months ago and said, I saw you were going to be one of the speakers at Aspire, so I told my boss he needed to send me to this conference because my mentor is speaking. It turns out that this was the very first time she'd ever gone to a conference. And Yara is an experienced architect. She's not somebody who's only been working a few years. Yet it took seeing someone that she knew someone who was providing an example and advice to her to show up somewhere before she felt comfortable asking to show up too. That was really humbling for me because you don't realize that you could have that profound of an effect on someone. The thing that gives them the courage and the motivation to ask for what they need. We had such a great time hanging out. We went to the social event together, had dinner together. But that wouldn't have happened if she had not 
seen that I was speaking at a conference in a region of the U.S. where she lived. So we don't only have to hold out for events that are earmarked for women in order to be that example. When we do have those examples for interchange, and this summit only intensifies that because it concentrates on that, it can be really powerful. Sarah shared with me some of her insights, which I also included in my president's letter so that more people can see it and can understand it. Go on the AIA Cincinnati website because you can find these letters there. She said, women architects are really hungry to connect with other women in the field. I think a lot of women feel really isolated, whether they're working from home or in a large firm surrounded by men. It's important to be able to connect with people who understand your perspective and point of view, people that are going through the same things you are. People automatically associate with people who look like them, and you have to be able to see something in order to become it. And she went on to give example after example of women she happened to sit next to at lunch or talk to after a session that she found she had things in common with. They've exchanged contact information and she's going to send them resources from things she's doing and they're going to send her resources from things they're doing. That is the power of building a network, that there are resources so you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. You don't have to figure everything out on your own. When women don't accept the premise of this is what the workplace looks like or this is how a firm operates and instead feel empowered to ask different, better questions, they start to see that what seemed like an obstacle was really only an existing condition that could be changed. If you say, I need more flexibility in my workday, but I don't have it. Well, we've seen how we can change and flip the script on that one. So Reggie, think about what you really want and then think about what it would take for you to get there, what you would have to do, and then ask yourself why you're not doing it. And you will come up with reasons. And those reasons are coming from certain beliefs in structures and norms, we can start to question them. We can start to see other opportunities because we are all creative people. We wouldn't be in this profession if we were not creative. Creativity means we can see something that has never been done before. We can see the possibility. Allow yourself to identify where you feel blocked then ask yourself why you feel that way. Question that premise. Think about what else could it look like. Ask how can I do it instead of assuming that you can't. Maybe you can't in the current condition, but the current conditions could be different. And finally, seek out some women mentors who are doing what you think you would like to be doing. So if you think you would like to be a firm owner, seek out women who are firm owners and talk to them. 
If you think you'd like to be a subject matter expert, find the women who are doing that and talk to them. Start with women in your community, but also know that you can reach out to women at a national level. You can find them through the AIA. You can find them through LinkedIn. You can find them on this podcast or many other podcasts that highlight the careers of women in our profession. And don't be afraid to reach out. They're happy to talk to you. They're happy to share their story. And while all of us are on a very unique path, when you can start to see different scenarios, like maybe the way one woman handled having young children in her career feels resonant to you, but the way another woman pursued being a leader in her firm feels resonant to you, and the way yet a third cultivated expertise around a topic she was passionate. You can mix and match these stories. You don't have to simply look at how one person did it and copycat. You can look at how they handled this, a single issue, and that could be your template because if they can do it, you can do it. And that is really what it is all about, is feeling the courage to reach out to one another, feeling emboldened to question things, getting out of a victim mentality where we aren't getting what we want and we feel like we have to tolerate it or leave the situation, and instead finding a way to stay on our terms. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I so appreciate it. I know you have a lot going on, and you choosing to tune in to this podcast means the world to me. If what you're learning is of value to you, know that it's probably of value to others. So please help me to raise awareness around this issue that Reggie asked about today, but so many others that I cover. Like, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow my YouTube channel and subscribe. Be active and share content on LinkedIn and Instagram and on the Facebook page. Tell other people about this podcast because you never know who needed to hear the message on any given day. And if we can inspire just one person every day to believe in themselves, to believe in their purpose, to stop tolerating the stress, the overwhelm, and the burnout, to realize that they absolutely can and were meant to have success, then we've made a difference, all of us together. Take care. Bye. listening. You made it all the way to the end of the episode, which means you are committed to making yourself a priority so you can be empowered to do the work you were called to do in the world. How amazing is that? If you would like even more content just like this, please remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate it if you left an honest review too. I want you to know I'm here for you beyond the boundaries of this podcast. 
You can follow me on social media at Architecting Podcast or visit architectingpodcast.com to download some great free resources. Take care, everyone, and stay inspired. Mm-hmm.